South Boston, it's Celtics Express, where we bring you the latest in the quest for Banner 18. It's the Prince of the Parquet, the Captain of Causeway, the Governor of Green. Oh, wait, really? He quit? Okay, then. Here's your host, Jay Corwin. Welcome into the Must Listen Show for Celtics Nation and all NBA junkies, Celtics Express. I'm your host, Jay Corwin. This is where we break down everything Celtics for you, as always, usually in less than 20 minutes. We'll go a little long today, but you won't be disappointed. We're joined by the 6'4 menace out of East Dennis, Sean Silver from 98.5 The Sports Hub. As always, find Celtics Express on the OTG.com Basketball Family, a fantastic website. A team of very talented writers and creators there. We're on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, wherever fine podcasts are bought, sold, traded, stolen. And of course, on the Twitter train at Celtics Express. Make sure to give us a follow. If you're new to the show, welcome. What the hell took you so long? Today we break down the drama this weekend as the Garden turns a series that may not be going anywhere. First, we'll look back to Wednesday night's massive win over the NBA best Raptors on Causeway 117-108. Uncle Al Horford, 24 points. Gordon Hayward looking effective again, 18 off the bench. Celtics snapping a three-game skid in that one. The big story was the closer who made it clear to everyone late in that one, including head coach Brad Stevens who needs to have the ball late, finishing with a career-high 18 assists, 27 points. Kyrie Irving scored or assisted on 24 of the Celtics' 34th quarter points, including a dagger three from 30 feet in Kawhi Leonard's face late that put the fans in a frenzy. Uncle Drew minutes later with a big-time proclamation. Winning kind of cures everything. How do you build on this? I mean, what's the NBA without a little drama? Uh, you know, and, and, and for us, it's literally about growing. That's all. Uh, maturing as a group, maturing as individuals, and coming together in times like this. You know, it's great to see that we can still smile and still compete at a very high level against the best. We just got to become more consistent, and once that happens and We'll run over everybody in this league, I can guarantee it. Thank you, Kawhi. An interesting mix for Lisa Salters there of Kawhi and Kyrie. Thank you, Kawhi. Thank you, Kawhi. Thank you, Kawhi. So another reference to the drama we've been hearing out of the locker room. More on that momentarily. That win bigger than just one game and came on the heels of a three-game losing streak. The Raptors had won five straight really threatened to drop the Celtics' status in the Eastern Conference playoff picture. ESPN's Tracy McGrady says the performance showed what he thought would be the case. This is why I had these guys pick to come out of the Eastern Conference and to win the championship this year because if they're clicking on all cylinders because they have a lot of talent, a lot of talent, they're the deepest team in the league. But if this guy plays the way he played and closed out that game last night, he's a closer. He's one of the best closers in our game, defended by one of the best defenders in the game. And he put on a show last night. This is why I had them pick to win the championship because they have it all. Depth, they have a closer, they could defend, they could rebound. You're sticking with them. No, no, yes, no, over the Raptors. Okay. Yes. We welcome in from 98.5, the Sports Hub in Boston, the Celtics flagship network, Sean Silver, studio host. Sean, welcome in. We will start our conversation today with Mr. Confucius Irving. How have you been doing? <laughs> I've been doing uh, all right. I mean, uh, you know, if you're living your life by the Celtics right now, it's kind of up and down, and you're a little confused. So, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe we'll let Kyrie Irving so it's all straight. Yeah, what a damn roller coaster it's been. So, I love watching him so much on the court, Sean, you know, as we all do. And I love when guys speak their mind. I'm not the guy to tell athletes to shut up, but at the same time, no one likes that guy, right? So, 
we can speculate all day, but we just, you know, it's tough unless you're in the locker room, you know, the inner workings, even in the lot, the guys in the locker rooms doing the beat, like the, it's tough to know the inner workings of the relationships. So I'm not one to like air dirty laundry. So I'm the thing that I'm really curious about is like, how did this process work? Like, I don't get it. Were there conversations behind the scenes and then Kyrie kind of felt like no traction or, or this is this option a Sean, like I'm going to go to the press and just put them on blast on Kyrie's Facebook. Does it start with like, I don't know. Like, I just hate my teammates when they don't let me lead to my threshold. And it's like a meme with a candle. Like, what, like, like what's going on? Well, I think you know one of the one of the important questions to ask is how many team meetings have they actually had? Right. That I mean, that's what is, I need uh, to know. It's kind of an unprecedented season in terms of in, in terms of a successful team it, 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 for Boston. I mean, there's there's certainly drama around the league, but you know you didn't see this really with the last iteration of the Big Three. You knew about more after the fact than while it was going on. You knew about the Rashawn Rondo. Ray Allen beef, but it wasn't really in your face. And we and we know why, Sean. I mean, Kevin Garnett is the answer. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was obviously Kevin Garnett, extremely intense, emotional individual. But when it came to you know that sort of thing, he just locked it up. I mean, that was that was his his nature, and and probably Paul Pierce's too, particularly as he matured as a veteran. Um, Yeah, with here you've simply got the case of well, not simply, you've uh, complicatedly you've got the case of you know a bunch of young guys. Your veterans are Al Horford is definitely your strong silent type. You know, I wouldn't say he's you know he's silent to the degree of Robert Parrish. Uh, he can he can definitely get emotional, um, you know, on a on a night to night basis, you know, for whatever reason or another. But he's he's not the vocal leader, certainly. You know, Marcus Morris is a vocal leader, but his role here is definitely short term. Um, and then you know, Gordon Hayward, he's going through his own own stuff. So those are basically those are your veterans on the team. Baines, I guess. You know, but he had an injury, and he's a bit player. Hey, let me stop so, you there. So you you brought up Marcus Morris. I think that's a great point. Yeah. So when players see another guy as kind of a short-term player, maybe they don't garner the same respect no matter kind of what they're doing on the floor. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I feel like Morris should command respect. Yeah, I think yeah. if you look at his role in the playoffs last year, he was uh, you know, really kind of a fire, you know, a fire starter for them. Uh, on the floor, but again, we don't know what's going on behind the scenes with Marcus Morris. I mean, does he? Does it seem like you know this is just a veteran guy who's here to help us for now, and then he's gonna, you know, he's gonna go get handsomely paid by somebody to uh, to uh, you know as a free agent deal next year, and, and deservedly so again. So we got a case of a 26 year old guy in Irving here who obviously is the ability wise is the leader on this team has an NBA championship, which is a qualifier that other guys on the team don't have. And, uh, you know, certainly fancies himself, I guess, uh, some sort of <laughs> philosopher, a, a, a Duke guy. and and uh, For a few weeks. For a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he... I'm not... I'm maybe not as upset with him as, as some other people are, uh, but I can see how all of this can... Uh, lead to strife within the team. I, th- I think it's just a, a case of a guy who needs to be choosing his words carefully is just opening up a, a little too much and a little too often and, uh, you know, ticking off the wrong people. 
Yeah, and that's it. And as someone who, you know, I would consider myself a bit naive when it comes to, like, when you look at other people. If I was a cop and I pulled somebody over and I was like, you were speeding, they'd say, no, I wasn't. I'd be like, eh, but okay. You, you know what I mean? So when I look at these rosters, I'm like, oh, these guys are good guys. I like these. I know these guys. They're all good guys. But, you, you know, the truth is we don't, really don't tell. And I do, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not as mad at Kyrie as we've heard a lot in the Boston media this week, uh, I would say. And I do think he's in the right place i do think it's a the wrong way to handle it but so let, let's break down the timeline like just a little bit so a few weeks back we had that friday night in boston the seas beat down by the box it was a third straight loss uh then Kyrie spoke to jay king from the athletic it was pretty clear there uh there was a quote something to the effect of we're you know some selfish play out there referring to the lack of teamwork then the whole ordeal ratcheted up a notch, Sean, as we go full-fledged soap opera after that embarrassing middle school-esque loss in Orlando. Best thing I can say is experience. We're lacking it, and because of that, we have a lot of uh, learning to do. So we have a lot of ground to make up and, um, in that aspect. And, um, you know, it gets tough. And when it gets hard, you got to think. you got to do the right things. You can't you know, gamble and, and think that it's going to be the winning play. You got to be able to play through the full 48 minutes no matter what's going on and hold your head high when you make mistakes. And, you know, when, you're, when your job is called upon, you got to do it to the best of your ability. You got to come in and make an impact for the minutes that you're playing out there. You got to appreciate being out there and just competing, you know, and it doesn't matter who you're going against. It, it, it matters the type of preparation you have, what you're going out and trying to accomplish. What's the big picture? What are we doing here? These are a lot of things that I don't think that um, some of my teammates have faced of just every single day. It's not easy to be great. That's about as blatant as it gets, friends, for an NBA superstar calling out a teammate or teammates without using names. One of the young players at the top of that youth movement clearly being referenced, Jalen Brown, asked about it. He answered after rolling his eyes to reporters. We've got to be more accountable as a group. It's not one guy's fault. It's not young guys, old guys' fault. It's everybody. We all got to be accountable and uh, turn this thing around. Those exchanges got me thinking to back about a year ago. If you may recall a post-game press conference, it was just Kyrie Irving and Jalen Brown at the podium. And as Kyrie Irving long-windedly answered a question, you could hear Jalen Brown in the background whispering, I'm sick of you. It's our job as professionals to go out there and execute at a very high level. So um, we're just continuously getting better, man. I'm sick of you. I think that was my time to end my answer. It all seemed in good fun at the time, but were seeds planted. So back to modern-day government shutdown America, Sean, where Confucius Irving uh, called out Coach Brad Steven over X's and O's this week. The team's inexperienced, like we heard, and threw some shade at Gordon Hayward even for playing tentatively. And then came the money shot, Sean, the big one. Kyrie telling reporters he actually called big brother LeBron to apologize. I had to uh, call Bron, you know, and tell him, like, you know, I apologize for <laughs> being that young player that wanted to everything at his, you know, at his fingertips, and I wanted everything to uh, be at, you know, my threshold. I wanted to be the guy that led us to championship. I wanted to be the leader. I wanted to be all that, and, you know, the responsibility of being the best player in the world and leading a team is something that's not meant for many people, and Bron was one of those guys that came to Cleveland and tried to really show us show us what it's like to win a championship and it was hard for him and 
sometimes getting the most out of the group. It's not the easy, easiest thing in the world. And um, like I said, only few are, are meant for it or chosen for it. And, you know, I feel like the best person to call was him because, you know, he's been in this situation. You know, he's, he's been there with me where I've been the young guy, of, you know, being a 22-year-old kid and, you know, wanting everything, wanting everything right now. You know, coming off an all-star year starting and then, you know, this, this heck of a presence comes back and now i got to adjust my game to this guy. And, um, you know, take it personal, but at the end of the day, he just wants what's best. And he has a legacy he wants to leave, and he has a window he wants to, to capture. So I think what that brought me back to is, like, all right, how do I get the best out of this group of the success they had last year? And then helping them realize what it takes to win a championship. Ron Braun's little brother, Brian Winhorst of ESPN, then tells us, well, Braun's reaction from the other end of the line. What's better here to be to take this on face value and a truth or to be cynical. At face value, it's a moment of maturity. It's a moment of him having self-reflection. It's growth. Being cynical about it, it's him saying, well, I'm LeBron now. I was astonished mm-hmm. that this happened. Mm-hmm. LeBron James was astonished that this happened. But from what I am told, LeBron, after the call, felt that Kyrie was being genuine and honest. Certainly he could have just said this to teammates or media without calling LeBron. The fact that he would do it first, you know, impress LeBron. And LeBron has chosen to believe this to be true, to not be some sort of, you know, parlor game to help the Celtics through this tough stretch. But it is a little bit strange and, and yet great. And that's what I could say about Kyrie Irving. We heard about that call Wednesday night. Pretty good timing, Sean, after a career-high 18 assists when you lead your team at the Garden. They were in a frenzy, 27 points, a huge win over the Raptors. Well, obviously his performance in that win was otherworldly and you have to credit you know al horford um a guy who they're you know obviously limiting his minutes and and he's not at his best al horford scored 24 in that game which is uncharacteristic for him he really stepped forward gordon hayward had a very nice shooting night eight for 13 the kind of night that you envision for him uh, even if he's not gonna you know play at an all nba level that's a guy who if he's contributing like that he's very useful tatum chipped in 16 so Good win all around for the Seas there. And then, of course, you know, we get the, uh, the little LeBron nugget. I, mean, now, I, I was think... shocked. I was shocked. I saw that, and I thought it was fake news. I, well, I... yeah. I mean, I, I, I just I couldn't imagine after all that we'd heard. But, again, you know, we're not in, we're not in these guys' DMs. You know, we, we don't have access to their text messages or their voicemails. So, you know, as much reporting has gone on about the relationship between Irving and LeBron, we don't really know, right. uh, just as, as we don't know now with the locker room. I mean, again, I credit Kyrie Irving for trying to figure things out, but it's almost like the wheels are spinning, you know, the the, the, the hamster's on the wheel, you know, for the, uh, for the, the press and, and all the fan base to see and to hear. And, uh, and it's just... Think about the Patriots, right? I don't like to make football parallels to basketball. I'm a basketball guy. Football's the number one sport in America. It gets really talked about plenty. But <laughs> think think about when Bill Belichick kind of says, you know, when there's a loss or something. Who's that? Uh, that's the coach guy. That's the coach, right? The guy. Yes, yeah, yes, okay. That's the, that's the coach guy. Okay. His responses are, of course, very dry and canned, and but he always puts it on everybody. He, he right. says, you know, coach has got to coach better. You know, the defense has got to defend better. Offense has got to score points better. You know, things of that nature. 
um, th- that's that's kind of the thing. I mean, if Kyrie Irving is going to do this in the media and have it responded to favorably by all of us uh, judges in our in our bathrobes, then he's <laughs> he's going to have to put some on himself, and he's and he's also going to have to give a little bit more of a dry, canned response. If he's going to philosophize out there, then it's going to attract criticism, and it's probably going to rub some people in that locker room the wrong way, as exhibited with the Jalen Brown retort. Here's the thing for me. So when you ramble the way Kyrie does... You're bound to say some stuff that you know that maybe didn't come out right, and when every word is printed a million different times and ways, it's bound to you know you're bound to get yourself in trouble. So so here's what I think where we're at right now. Um, kind of recapping what you just said. You tell me if you agree. So Kyrie came out, called everybody out through the public, did that kind of thing. He realized pretty quickly, I think, that that wasn't really going to fly. He then, as you said, needs to put it on himself. And, Sean, I think that's kind of what he did. He came out and, and really does not benefit at all from talking about that LeBron conversation, except for the fact that it kind of makes him look like, like a more humble guy. And I think it, it's, an, it's a way for him to use that as a conduit to talk to the younger guys, right? Well, I mean, yeah, that seems it's apparent. A, it's a deflection, too. I mean, it takes a situation where uh, maybe he was portrayed as not looking very good and, you know, kind of tries to shift the focus to, oh, look at how Kyrie's matured. He's 26, and he's you know, acting like a, a 10-year veteran in this league now. Um, so, you know, there's, there's obviously there's, um, there's something wrapped up in that for him as well. I, I don't think that anything that Kyrie Irving says um, doesn't have something for him as well. Right. Um, but but again, I, I you know the points he's making aren't wrong. I mean, you need to fire up Gordon Hayward. You you really just need to fire up Gordon Hayward. I think the ability we've seen is there. Uh, the shooting is coming back. The athletic ability, well, yeah, he's not defending quite great. Uh, he has shown the ability to do some of the things that he used to be able to do. He just needs to get some confidence underneath him, and uh, you know, start stringing together some some games that you know, look like the old Gordon Hayward. So he needs to do that. And the same thing with the young guys. He needs to fire up the young guys. Now, granted, what that leads to, has Brad Stevens figured out how this all fits together? We don't exactly know. Irving is doing the best that he can from his pulpit. It's just kind of you know how he's using that pulpit and also the fact that, yeah, it, it is self-serving. Okay, so let's put a bow on this mess. Uh, one final piece of sound here. Charles Barkley, Thursday night, calling out Kyrie, not mincing words. It seemed like he was saying, we're losing because of these guys. They're young. They don't know how to win. They made it to the Eastern Conference Finals without him last year. Ernie, you don't have to tell people you're a leader. Just be a leader. That kid played great last night. He had, the assists were important. That's one of the few games I've seen where he really made a conscious effort to make everybody around him better. But this notion where you, this thing like uh, I, I call LeBron because he taught me to how to be a leader. Well, then be a leader. You don't have to tell us you're a leader. I did not like it at all because what he said to me, and I get through the BS, Ernie. Hey, we're losing because these young guys in the locker room. And I didn't like it at all. All right, Sean, so we put a bow on the soap opera that is uh, Kyrie Irving and the Celtics as far as that goes. And it is funny. It's so relative. As you said, still 26-18, and 3.5 back of Philly, 6.5 back of the Bucks. now in first place, half game ahead of the Raptors at the top. And they don't look like they're going to slow down. We don't want to crunch the numbers here, but it's going to be tough for them to get into one of those top couple seeds. They're going to need a major run. Um, and we used to kind of look at the schedule ahead and say, well, this is pretty favorable, but when they play as inconsistently as they have, Sean, it's really tough to pluck out too many wins. So I've come up with three playoff factors that I think are huge. If all three of these happen, Sean, 
they will go to the finals against the Warriors, obviously. If these three do not happen, if two of these happen, they will be ousted in the conference finals. If only one of these things happen, they're looking at a second-round exit if they're lucky. Okay, so we will start with the first one. I think the most obvious, Kyrie staying healthy and mentally centered, Sean. Well, I think that mentally centered is uh, when you take a, a veteran like Kyrie who is proving himself through uh, through the media to be the leader of this team. Now, uh, Kyrie Irving will be will be he'll have his head right for the playoffs. So I think it's just kind of the question of you know if there's any sort of damage that he can do to his teammates. Well, that's what um, I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, we in, know that he gets locked in. in. We, I mean, when it's crunch time, dude does not disappoint. Right. I mean, and that's what it's about. So I guess what I mean more is. Can he like regroup the troops? You know, and and again, that's a team effort. That's you know, the coach has got to coach better, the defense has got to defend better, the offense has got to score more points. I mean, that's not only on Irving, that's on Stevens. You know, that's on the supplementary cast, which I, I think you're going to get to these in your next couple of points, and that's also on the young guys to you know, figure out with the help of the veterans and the coach what their roles are on this team, which they still got to do in, in uh, what, 40 games left in the or 38 games left in the season. Right, right. A ton of time. This next one, a guy who I think is very important, who nationally I think gets a lot of love, but locally in Boston, Sean, I think he's a little overlooked and a little underappreciated for what he brings to the floor. You can see when he's out there, the tone of the game always changes. Marcus Smart needs to play elite defensively. Be good on offense and, of course, stay healthy. Yeah, well, uh, they were talking to Mark, Mike Gorman on Toucher and Rich the other day, and, and uh, you know, Rich asked kind of a leading question, like, you know, when when Al Horford says guys aren't playing hard all the time, who are the guys who aren't playing hard? And Gorman's not going to throw anybody under the bus, but he did say, you know, with certainty, the guy who's playing like his hair is on fire all the time is Marcus Smart. Um, so I think Smart Smart is one guy this year who's – really figured himself out a lot more. And maybe it's just because he's juxtaposed with all of this uncertainty and, and you know, stuff that you worry about. But his performance has been exactly what you've needed from him uh, in the starting role this year. I mean, we used to get really unhappy about, you know, ill-advised threes and, and plays that he used to try to make. And we're just, uh, and again, yeah, maybe it's because of all the stuff that's swirling all around him, but I'm not at all disappointed in Marcus Smart. If I could pick three players that I'm really pleased with this season, Marcus Smart would be right there. Um, so, you know, there's a guy who, and I don't know what role he's going to have in the playoffs, if he's going to be starting or off the bench, but, uh, you know, I, I think that he's really figured himself out as a Celtic even more in his fifth season now. Yeah, I think that's really well said. His emotional intelligence, I think, is underrated in that I think that he's seen kind of the combustibility with this team and what's going on and the inconsistencies, and I think he's really tailored his game and, and, and his mental approach. You can tell he's much more focused, less outbursts. He knows that he needs to be more of a leader. That's really important for him this season. I think he's yeah. been fitting the bill all around. I think that's a great point. So my final uh, one of my trilogy of things that need to happen for the Celtics to make a deep run and another uh, one that may not be that surprising, but I think it's huge. We started to see flashes, but Gordon Hayward becoming more consistent. Yeah, Gordon Hayward on a night-to-night basis is basically supposed to be your number two scorer. I think a lot of people said, oh, it's Tatum. I don't know, it hasn't really been figured out. So Gordon Hayward getting back to that, maybe not all NBA level, but guy who can get you, I don't know, 16 to 18 points, kind of 
not like in terms of his positioning on the floor and, and stuff, but kind of like what Ray Allen used to do. You know, he'd hit you some threes. He'd get you 16 to 18 points. He'd dish some assists. You know, he'd be he'd be okay defensively, and 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 you could live with that. Um, so Gordon Hayward, that's the thing. I mean, is he going to be? You, you know, if you have a successful NBA team right now, that it's su- you know superstar, probably another superstar. Yes, will exactly, and maybe a third superstar as well if if you're lucky. You have the superstar in Kyrie Irving, but then after that, you just got a bunch of good to very good players. And I don't know if Gordon Hayward is going to get back to superstar level. Probably not. So can you live with him being a very good player? But if you have a lot of guys who are you know contributing and, and adding to that that recipe, uh, Al Horford, you know, being a very good player and not the guy who's had knee soreness and and uh, has looked a little bit slow on defense and has been you know making plays that he really shouldn't be making in terms of turnovers and just being out of position and things like that. If you're adding all those pieces together where there's an understanding of, you know, who who is going to do what and you're not really banking on guys who just aren't there yet to to be your number 2 scorer, then I feel like that's a blend that could be successful. All right, Sean. So 26 and 18, that leaves what? Uh 34, 44, 38 games left. What record would you find a success uh, heading into the playoffs, and, w- and what kind of seed do you think we can expect? Well, when we spoke earlier this year, I said this is a 60-win team. I think a lot of people did. Um, they're on pace for 49 right now, so you can't be super happy with that. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, obviously somewhere in between is probably where it's going to fall. I mean, uh, the the only way that this actually matters in terms of win total is how it projects alongside Philly and Indiana. Because sure. I don't feel, with you being six, six and a half games back of the Raptors and Bucks, um, that, you know, you're going to be necessarily able to chase them down, at least with the way that they're playing. Say if there's a major injury, then maybe. But you're looking at yourself as a third or fourth seed right now. So can you catch Philly or Indiana? Well, so here's the thing, Sean. To me, does the three or four seed really matter if you don't get the one or two? Because they're good enough to win on the road in those series where they really need the home court is going to be, you know, in the second and third rounds, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and they're looking at, say, if they make it as far as the conference finals or, um, you know, then then you're looking at, at being on the road there. Um, or, or the conference semis, potentially, or you're looking at being on the road. I I don't know. I would feel like they probably, well. So I guess the regular season just doesn't matter at all, Sean. I guess it just well, doesn't. <laughs> well, it's, a lot of that <laughs> depends on who's your one and who's your two and how right. they feel like they match up better. Right. I mean, if they feel like they can tackle Milwaukee with this you know newfangled look that they have with bombing all the threes. Milwaukee, Milwaukee had, scares me, but as I told you last year, and I continue, and until further notice, the Raptors are the Cincinnati Bengals. Kyle <laughs> Lowry is... A loser, and I, I don't like to, you know, I don't like to point out people's weight, but the guy's an athlete. He's a doughboy. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like, how long has he been in the league, league, and he still doesn't understand his body? He's he's garbage. And I, if I got to watch one more national game, Sean, where they're like, Kyle Lowry, this is the season. Look at the way he's leading his team. This right, like it's like it's like Groundhog Day every year. And they do have Kawhi, which is different, but I just there's just a DNA in this franchise, and I think it's from Kyle Lowry. They're just not winners. Wow. As a guy who can't stand Kyle Lowry, um, I'm just going to let your words do the talking. There's right not there. a lot of guys, Sean, that just get to me. But he just – the way I, I'll watch him run up the floor, dribble full speed, and run into somebody, fall down. It's like, he's just – he's a completely out-of-control, overweight middle school player. I, I just, <laughs> it was the best. 
Ness the other night where he just kind of fell down underneath the basket and then just curled up in the fetal position for eight seconds. And then you know Marcus Smart wanted to put him out, land on You know he did. He's like, all right, well, here's a a shot if you're going to lay there. Oh, I just I can't stand him. I can't. Our stand old uh, CAC buddy Bradshaw making the uh, saying that he gave him a Macho Man elbow drop on Twitter. Oh, all right, <laughs> man. Brad Bradshaw is a must follow on Twitter. So we we move forward from a team that to me is mentally not very tough, other than Kawhi, who I think is just a killer. Grizzlies in town. They've lost nine of ten. Sean, uh, they did have a pretty nice stretch. They were nineteen and twenty five. Uh, they've lost nine of the past ten. Some injuries hitting them, of course. Uh, what do we see happening here? Obviously, a must win for the Celtics. Again, I mean, would you be surprised if they come out and lay an egg? I would be surprised, I think, at this point, because they, you know, they know they need to build momentum. But, I mean, they've known what they need to do really all season. It's just kind of the question of uh, various subplots you know, getting out of the way, and there's still a lot of subplots that are active for the season. At one point, Memphis was the number one team in the Western Conference. Um, I mean, it was early. It was you know, maybe 15, 20 games into the season. But, uh, boy, have they tumbled. Uh, yeah. You know, they. It, it seemed like they were on the same page. And, you know, they, they do have a couple of, uh, you know, still in their prime star players with a you know, decent supporting cast. But things are just really falling apart for them. Uh, it's up to the Celtics to take advantage of that. I mean, these are games they need to get. Orlando was a game they needed to get. Brooklyn was a game they needed to get. I mean... Uh, but this one's in their own building, so it would be just inexcusable to lose to the Grizzlies at this point. Yeah, Sean Brooklyn finally showing some flashes, crawling out from under that KG Paul Pierce trade rock. It actually felt bad for them. They look like they're bouncing back a bit. Last notes on Memphis. They've lost 9 of 10, last 14 of 17. They acquired Justin Holiday from the Chicago Bulls a couple weeks ago. He's yet to really do much for them offensively, shooting just 17%. He hasn't scored more than six points in a game. In two games with the Bulls earlier this season against the Celtics, just 4 of 20, 11 points total. Meanwhile, Kyrie Irving, a pretty good game against the Grizzlies in late December, 26 points. Celtics won that one, 112-103. As a team, the Green shot 50% in that game. That's one of just a dozen times that's happened this season. All right, Sean, we'll let you and baby boy go. We appreciate some time today. Great chat, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, we're going to continue our day with some intense Celtics conversation, mostly him uh, just making noises and uh, me re-watching this Lakers-Thunder game from last night. But uh, you have a good one, pal. Well, that's all we really do, just make noises, right? <laughs> that, that is radio. Indeed it is. Radio Blue Chipper from 98.5, the Sports Hub Celtic Studio host, Sean Silver. We always appreciate his time and insight. So the Celtics, Memphis on Friday, off to Atlanta Saturday night. The Hawks returning to State Farm Arena, coming off a win over Oklahoma City Tuesday. They're 14-30 and on the season, showing some flashes behind young star Trey Young. And it's back home Saturday night, assuming the weather is not an issue coming in. For game Monday, Martin Luther King day 6 o'clock tip on Causeway Street against the Heat. On Wednesday the Cleveland Cavaliers are in town. The next Saturday, ABC Primetime Affair. The Golden State Warriors visit the East Coast. Meanwhile, with NBA All-Star voting winding down, it ends on Monday. The Celtics' Kyrie Irving comfortably leading Eastern Conference guards with nearly 3.2 million votes. Jason Tatum fourth among frontcourt players. Gordon Hayward coming in ninth. Al Horford sitting there at 10. With that, we wrap another episode of your favorite podcast. 
Remember to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, OTG Basketball, and at Celtics Express on Twitter. We thank our producer, Teddy Tuhat, our guest today, Sean Silver from 98.5, the Sports Hub, our legions of fans, and of course, Dr. James Naismith. Remember, as the government runs on three cylinders in a battle over wall funding for going on more than a month now, catch a game with your neighbor this weekend on Skype because it's going to smell like a bee. Until next time, for Celtics Express, I'm your host, Jay Corwin. We'll see you at the Garden.